Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. When the game is over, the fun begins. Interviews, highlights, analysis, and your opinion. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. Now, from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. The Nashville Predators with three power play goals, including the game winner early in the third period, and that is enough to beat the Edmonton Oilers 5-4. The Oilers now 2-3 and three on their six-game road trip. It'll wrap up Tuesday in St. Louis. Bit of a wild game. Oilers fought back from a 4-2 deficit with a couple of goals late in the second period, but Victor Arvidsson won it a minute 19 into the third. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Reed Wilkins. Rob Brown is here as well. The uh, Predators' winning goal was challenged for offside. The Review took about seven minutes. I still think it's absurd that a couple of linesmen huddle over an iPad to try to figure it out. They they should give them a forty inch TV in the penalty box. Can't be that hard. To <laughs> they could have called. They could have called you and I. We could have told them right away what the answer was going to be. But no one, no one takes us serious. Reed, uh, look, I'm I'm gonna present uh, something here that I know is gonna be unpopular with uh, Oilers fans because I've uh, said it on Twitter and I've already been uh, been attacked for it. But the the right call was made on that play. And I'm going to explain it why by reading the, the rule book and going over what happened. So the offside rule is, and by the way, you can get the NHL rule book online for this season. This is on page 123. It starts off by saying players of the attacking team must not precede the puck into the attacking zone. Uh, the position of the player's skates is what's used to determine offside or onside. So what it says, a player is offside when both skates are completely over the leading edge of the blue line involved in the play. The leading edge simply means the edge of the blue line closer to the offensive net. So in this case, the Oilers net. A player is onside when either of his skates are in contact with or on his own side of the line at the instant the puck completely crosses the leading edge of the blue line. So this is an unusual case because Victor Arvidsson jumped and at the very instant the puck was completely over the line, both his feet were in the air. So now I I know a lot of people are talking about the Zach Cassian goal that was disallowed earlier in the season. In that case, Cassian had one skate on the ice that was completely over the blue line. The second foot was in the air. So when there's, a, when there's a skate touching the ice, they go by where that skate is. In this case, neither skate was touching the ice, so then they go by the position of, of the skates in the air. And one of the skates was still on side because it was directly over top of the blue line. It wasn't over the blue line when the puck was completely over. So therefore, it was on side, and therefore the goal stands. It was completely close. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was a very rare occasion, 
but but that's why they came out and announced the play is onside and that the goal stood. Yeah, no, I mean, you and I, as we were watching it, we both thought it was a good goal simply because the when he jumped in the air, his left skate was still above the blue line, above over top of it when the puck went over top of the, or went past the blue line. So he's he was onside, he came down, landed on the blue line, the play continued. But it doesn't matter where he lands. No, no, it doesn't. It's just where where his, where his skate is at the time. Now, it's it's a tough angle, and it's a tough call, because they're looking at uh, the little iPad that, and it's very, t- I mean, there was never a great, great look at it, but I, I agree with the call. I thought it was a good goal the whole time, and, and you did as well, and, after seven and a half minutes, the the <laughs> yeah. linesmen and the people in Toronto that were looking at it agreed as well. It's a very unusual play, and and, be, and again, you have to wait until the puck is totally over the blue line. I know, I mean, I've seen screenshots on the internet of, of his right foot still touching the ice, but the puck wasn't over the line. So, it, I mean, think of it this way, Rob. When a team has a power play, Say Andre Secker is regrouping behind his own net. Mm-hmm. Connor McDavid can stand behind the other team's goalie. Yep. It doesn't matter because the puck's not there. Then he'll loop back and get on side when they cross the line. If Arvidsson's right foot had been down and the left foot up when the puck crossed, would have been offside. If his left foot would have been on the blue line and his right foot up in the air, would have been onside. So because he jumps, then they look at where the the feet are. It's it's really weird. I I can't remember seeing a play like that ever before. No, maybe you did it when you played. Uh, no, you I've offside review when you played. No, I, I've seen players jump, and I've I've seen where it's been called offside where you see players jump, and it's it's tough for the referee to make that call. But the referees, everyone gets mad at the the main referees because they always feel that they miss calls and and they they make calls that shouldn't be made and things like that. But I can tell you this: the linesmen in the National Hockey League are incredible. The facts that they can make and the blink of an eye calls that I believe are 99% of the time right. And on this one, they made the right call to start with, and they reaffirmed it. See, this texture says you are delusional. He was offside when he jumped, so by jumping, it makes him magically onside. His skate that was onside left the ice first, putting him offside. No, nope. but the puck was not over the blue yep. line. Guys, there is no such thing as onside or offside until the puck is all the way over the blue line. It, it's not a call. No, nope. it, it just on. It, it, you know, and it's like it's like saying that. I don't know what it's like saying, but but it's it, he's not until the puck is over the line. There is no determination of onside or offside. So it's a freeze frame of when the puck is totally over the line. Yeah, well, that's what they're doing when they with the iPad and that's what they're doing in Toronto. As soon as they... The first thing they do is they get uh, an ISO cam right on the puck. So they're staring at the puck, staring at the puck. As soon as it completely crosses the blue line, they push freeze frame because that's when they decide if it's offside or onside. When they do that, they see that his feet are both in the air. Now what they do have to do is they have to determine if one of those feet, and only has to be one, if one of those feet at that point is above the blue line. If it is, then he is onside, and that's what they made the call as, and it was right. See, Ken says both feet did not leave the ice at the same time. Doesn't matter. Another texter says, so all it takes now is to jump entering the zone, and you would never be offside. No, because if you jump and both your feet are over the blue line when the puck enters, you'd be offside. Yep. 
I mean, it, it's it's a very clear call, guys. Yeah. The, the well, it's not. A, it's a very close call. But the, the officials got. I mean, look. If it was a bad call, we would tell you. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the, it wasn't though. They made a snap decision. Said, all right, you know what? It's onside. We're going to stick with it. Seven and a half minutes. They studied the film to try and find if they were wrong in their call, and they weren't. And it, and it's it's too bad for the Oilers because tonight's game, uh, they lost the point, possibly two points because of a a quarter of an inch on a on an offside call and as you said before Reed this this new rule that was supposed to come in and save the NHL from bad refing decisions I, we've seen it called how many goals in oiler games have we seen called back so just imagine throughout the yes. NHL how many goals are lost because of a quarter of a quarter of an inch yeah i mean that one that, that one stood, stood but yeah, i mean i mean and the thing was it goes back so far from when the when the play actually began in in the offensive zone, so it was the right call. It was a unfortunate call for the Edmonton Oilers, but they got it right. All right, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You can text six thirty six thirty. We have Tony on the line to start us off. Hey, Tony. Hey, I was just uh, you know I was watching the other game, and the, the thing that's been really bothering me is I think it was just this passing they brought this offside thing in where coaches can you know uh, challenge or whatever. And I found that the Oilers have been getting a lot of bad calls against them when it comes to the offsides. But in my opinion, I think they should get rid of the offside call when you can review it. Can you can't, it something like that should not determine a game. In my opinion, yes, in a way, his foot was, you know, over, like, wasn't over the blue line. But from what I saw, the one part, like, the little part of the skate was still over the blue line, which... In my opinion, I think it should have been offside. Well, I mean, it's the the, the rule states, and he is part. His foot was not. I mean, it was above the blue line, so it, it it's a it's the right call. It, it just is, and the linesman took a lot of time to determine. They would have had people in Toronto looking at it. Uh, it, it is what it is. Do, should they have this rule in place? No. As Reed said many, many times, the reason they put this rule in is at one point there was an offside that was not called in a game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. The guy, the player was. Do you remember the player's name, Reed? Reed? Wasn't it Duchesne? I think it was. He was. was he was probably about 20 well, feet. I think it was against Nashville. Was, was it? I, I thought it was. I remember a, Trotz going nuts about it. But it was, the guy was 20 feet offside, and the the linesman missed it. And all of a sudden, they decide to put in a rule. And so it was to catch those ones. Instead, they're catching all of these other ones. Um, having said that, if there was no rule at all, then it wouldn't have mattered anyways. It would have been a good goal because... because of, Just because of one player, they changed the rule about an offside just because of one player where the refs screwed up once. Well, they changed that's, the rule for that. I mean, probably yes. But having said that, that, having the rule in place had nothing to do with today's game because it reconfirmed exactly what was called on the ice so it didn't really matter tonight but it just to me it takes the flow out of the game it, it just does seven and a half minute break in a game that was highly entertaining it just all of a sudden everyone's in the stand you could hear the people in Nashville booing because you just took us away from something really exciting to sit here and watch paint dry as two refs crowd around a mini iPad and hope to get it right so it's an unfortunate I, I presume and imagine that they will rethink this rule come the, the next uh, meetings that they have, and I, I would, I would be surprised if they continued with this rule the way that it is. I think it'll either be dropped or changed. Yeah, and here's the thing, I, Tony. I have one more question, by the way. Sure. Trade deadline Wednesday. 
do the Oilers do anything or do they do nothing? No, they'll do something. I think they'll try to get another depth uh, forward. By the way, Martin Hansel was traded mm-hmm. to Minnesota, so he's off the market. And Ben and Bishop Boudet's was gone. Ben Bishop was traded for Buda. I don't think the Oilers were either going to get either of those guys. But, uh, yeah, I, I think they'll try to get a depth winger. I mean, I don't know. People ask about Aginla and people ask about Verbata and, and, and names like that. I, I don't know if that's who they're going to get. But I, I don't think Peter will stand pat. But I don't know if he's going to make a blockbuster. And, and if you go on any other of the team's websites, if you look around the league, the team's newspapers, they're all every team's looking for the same thing. I was reading today the Florida Panthers need a goal scoring winger, and they named all the players that we talk about on this show. And I'm sure they're doing it in every other city. Everybody wants depth right now because any team that's been to the playoffs know you go through not only the 20 guys that normally play, you need another three or four guys that can jump in and be contributors. So all the players that we talk about that the Oilers would love to have, there's going to be 16, 18, or sorry, I guess 14, 16 other teams looking for those same players. Thanks, Tony. We appreciate it, buddy. 780-496-0063. Oilers lose 5-4 in Nashville. Our adjustment of the game for the Oilers moving forward is going to have to be better. Penalty killing, that's for Alberta's chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better with help from your chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. Just in the past three games, the Panthers went 2-for-2. The Capitals went 0-for-2. But today, the Predators go 3-for-5 difference in the hockey game. I mean, the Oilers 5-on-5 five five, I thought were pretty good. Penalty killing, they were awful. And it starts with their their, their lack of winning in face-offs. The Oilers today were 35% in face-offs. 35%. So if you want to look at the number one reason why your penalty killing was not successful, it's because you probably lost the draw that allowed Nashville to set up and get their power play going. Uh, this texture says uh, the review should be done at real speed. If you can't tell at live speed, the call should stand. I don't. I don't mind that at all. No, that's I don't pretty know if good. Do that when you have the technology. But yeah, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Doug on the line. Hi, Doug. Hey guys, how's it going tonight? Doing well. Good. Hey, listen. Uh, what I find disappointing the most. I mean, there's all kinds of things you touched on, Rob, with when you're talking to Bob and whatnot, and you said a lot of things that were a fact tonight, but. I don't know what the record is, but I've seen games where the Oilers have had uh, uh, playing a, a team that's had a back-to-back game, and to me, they just don't seem to take advantage of it. It's like, uh, it looks like, well, maybe that team, like you played the day before, you should be jumping all over those guys. That first period, we gave up two easy goals on the power play, but other than that, I didn't really think that uh, Nashville had their legs going that first period. That's where I think we should have been jumping all over them. Rob, you played. I mean, what's it like to you playing back-to-back with a team that's been sitting in your building watching you the day before type thing? Well, we talk about it. Well, the When you uh, are playing a team that's playing the second game or when you're a tired hockey club, a tired hockey club really feels their legs, really feels the fatigue once they get behind. If it's an even game or if they're winning, all of a sudden they're energized and they, they're more into it. Once you get a lead on a team that's tired, that's when you see their legs all of a sudden seize up and their, their, their minds just all of a sudden the mental mistakes come in. So the key when you're playing back-to-back games or, or you're playing a team playing back-to-back or a team that's tired is to get on them early, like you said. Get, get quick, come out quick, get a lead on them, and they'll lose their will. The problem for the Oilers has been, and this is a problem that's been a lot this year and in previous years especially, is the Oilers are a slow-starting hockey team. Right. 
Right. They, they try to find their way into a game. So any advantage you have playing the tired team is now gone. Because now Nashville comes out of that first period, you know, they're feeling pretty good about themselves. You know, we got a 2-1 lead. We're good. You know, I'm not, I'm not as tired anymore. Let's go out and let's win this next period. Had the others come out of the first period up 2-0, Nashville would have been tired, and then it's a long uphill climb. So you're absolutely right. The others did not take advantage playing against a tired team. Right on. Thanks a lot, then, Rob. Okay, thanks, Doug. And, yeah, you're right. We've talked about that a few times this season, about starts, about setting a tone and, and all that kind of stuff for sure. All right, 780-496-0063. The Oilers lose 5-4. The goal scorers for Edmonton were McDavid, Latestu, Lucic, and Eberle. McDavid finishes with two points. Clefbaum had two assists. Our fourth star of the game I'm going to give to Connor McDavid for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. He was very, very dangerous. I thought Oscar Clefbaum also was very good tonight. He was plus two with two assists, 22 minutes of ice time. Uh, so I thought both those gentlemen uh, easily could have been stars in the game. Actually, I believe Sportsnet actually made Connor McDavid. He was first star by Sportsnet, but on the Nashville media website, <laughs> Connor didn't crack the top three. I mean, the Oilers had chances to, to tie it. Uh, they certainly pressed late in the third period, if, if, you want, if you want to look at that. That that play actually where Ellis knocked it away, I think it was going wide on that shot, but it looked pretty cool at full speed that he might have saved the goal. And, and what I give credit for any guy who's on the goal line, on his knees, and he's going to block whatever's coming in there. And guys aren't looking at him saying, oh, I better shoot a soft one because there's a player in net. Uh, but great eye-hand coordination, Bill, and knock it away, I do believe also is probably going to go wide. But the fact that he's in there, and if you all of a sudden you're, you're shooting the puck and you actually see somebody in the net, it changes your, you, now you're trying to miss that person, not knowing that that person was just a defenseman and not the hulking Pecorine. All right, let's go back to Nashville. Here's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. On the offside or non-offside, and did it make sense to you? Um, got a number of explanations, and... Um, you know, I've been in, personally been in the game for a long time. I'm still trying to comprehend the explanation, the rule itself. So, uh, obviously, in my opinion, and I may be a little biased because I'm um, with the team that lost, but, uh, you know, for me, it's about as clear as can be that it's offside. But, um, you know, there's other factors that go into it. We're going to have to get a, uh, a review on what is or isn't offside. Um, feet in the air, obviously, coming to play, but. Um, you know, the rule book clearly says that the, the two feet have to be in contact with the ice surface um, as the puck is entering the line. But the referees have a tough job, and regardless of that, we gave up three power play goals. You don't win like that. What was it with their power play work that seemed to not catch you off guard, but be effective? Well, the first one, they shoot in the net. Our penalties that we took were um, the ones that we'd like to avoid or, or questionable. Uh, but the uh, the first one's a deflection that goes off a, a player and goes into the net. There's not much we can do there. The second one, we lose a face off and stumble a little bit, and now we're out of position. And uh, obviously, the third one's controversial, but we get beat back to the net. So, um, you know, on a night when we get two power play goals, we better be winning. So our penalty killing units uh, got us down tonight. How much this is continually losing way too many faces? Well, we've we've beat that to death. We beat it to death, like. When you're the 30th place in, in the 30th position in the league in the, in the face-off circle, and there's 60 to 70 of them a night, you're at a disadvantage. So, you know, we beat that to death. We don't even need to talk about it anymore. Um, was this one of those nights where you would have liked to win one 
Cam 6-4? You want a lot of low-scoring games. Well, we want to win for Cam every night. Um, Night where he, he gives up four, which he doesn't usually give up. Four. Uh, no, um, you know he gives up five, and uh, you know it's a it's a situation that uh, we want to win them for everybody. Cam's been tremendous for us, tremendous. Um, if we get to four, we get to three or four goals. Four, we should be winning games, and it's as simple as that. What do you think Darnell did? Like he had lots of energy in the first yeah, game. Yeah, he, uh, he played good. I think he'd like to have the the one goal where they cut in on him back. Um, obviously, his timing was off a little bit there and maybe a misread, but uh, played hard and he was effective. All right, so that's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. They lose 5-4 to the Nashville Predators. Plenty more to discuss. Darren is our next caller, 780-496-0063. More post-game reaction as well. This is Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranda Team Broadcast Centre. Live from the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center, this is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House on Oilers Radio, 630 Chat. And Maroon had a clatter off his stick. Lead pass the other way, Colin Wilson, Larson back. Drop pass, Wilson centers, one timer. What a save made by Cam Talbot. I can't believe it. Austin Watson can't either. That might be Talbot's best save all year. Wow. Jack Michaels with the call. Talbot's save of the game for Armor Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armor at armorinsurance.ca. That was a great save. However, the Predators get five behind Talbot, three of them on the power play, and beat the Oilers 5-4 this afternoon. Harry texts in. He says, is it just me, or does Talbot appear somewhat weak, high on his glove side and or blocker side? That's from Harry. So, anywhere high? I I don't know. I mean, this is a guy that's had an unbelievable season and to me has been the MVP for the Edmonton Oilers. So, every goaltender has somewhere where you can put the puck and he's not going to save it. I mean, sometimes good shots go in. I don't know if there's a, any glaring weakness in Cam Talbot's game. I don't. All right, 780-496-0063 is our phone number. We're also looking for someone to finish the play tonight. Man, I was hopeful that the Oilers were going to turn on the Japanese Village goal light on it, 630ched.com slash Oilers when they had four after two periods. They couldn't get the fifth. When they do or get five or more, we turn on the goal light. You can print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village downtown, south side, and north side couple of textures uh, writing in. Are the Flames going to catch the Oilers in the standings? Now a uh, four-point difference. The Pacific with San Jose at 79, Anaheim and Edmonton 74, Calgary with 70. Uh, I, I hope not. I mean, uh, Reed and I were talking before the game. The Calgary Flames got a good hockey club. Uh, they've had s- some injury issues this year. Uh, that have put them a little bit behind the eight ball. They've, I mean, the three games that they lost to the Edmonton Oilers have certainly, right now, the difference in the standings between the two teams. I think Calgary is going to make the playoffs. I don't believe that they will catch the Oilers. Having said that, uh, the Calgary Flames, as the Oilers have a pretty good final schedule, so do the Calgary Flames. They showed it up on, on the screen when we were watching the Flames game earlier. The one thing that's huge for the Calgary Flames, the one team that's trying to catch them, is the LA Kings. Calgary and LA play four times between now and the end of the season. Those will be huge games to watch if you are a, a fan of either one of those teams. 
But uh, the Calgary Flames, I think, lost their chance, I believe, to catch the Oilers when they lost three games to them earlier this year. Well, all four. Oh, four games. Sorry, yeah. That's right. right. Yeah. So well, that's, well, there's eight points, and the Oilers are four points up. So those games are the difference right now between them flip-flopping. On the advantage trailer rental scoreboard, the Flames won their fourth in a row today, 3-1 over the Hurricanes. The Blue Jackets beat the Rangers 5-2. Big weekend for the Jackets. They won uh, 7-0 yesterday. Bruins over the Stars 6-3. Sabres and Coyotes scoreless early. Senators and Panthers 1-1 early in the second period. Chicago leads St. Louis 2-1. That is also early in the second period and of course our game here Predators beat the Oilers 5-4 we have Robin on the line Robin are you ready to finish the play sure yeah all right do you have anything on the game first um no I was just going to ask you guys what do you think of the LA Kings getting Bishop well it's funny when we saw that come across I thought it was just weird timing of the trade all season long, Jonathan Quick has been gone, who many think, and I agree, is one of the top three or four best goalies in the world. He, he, is, he is their team. As he goes, the team goes. He's injured, and they go with his Peter Budai. And Peter Budai has been, been fine. But if you're going to make a trade for a top-tier goaltender, which Ben Bishop is, why would you have not done that, you know, two, three, four, five months ago? And, and had him run with it the entire season. Instead of doing it now, Jonathan Quick is back, and you just went and got a top-tier goaltender to be his backup. So I just thought it was very curious at the time of year that they did it. And having said that, I guess they know the health of Jonathan Quick better than, than we do. Maybe John, there there is some worry that Jonathan can stay healthy the remainder of the season, but I thought it was just strange that it happened at this time of year and not much earlier. All right, Robin, we're going to finish the play. You've already won an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set We Park, brought to you by Jet Set Parking. Park cheap and easy. Visit jetsetparking.com. You can be entered into the grand prize draw for $1,000 to Integra Tire Auto Center. If you're correct here, visit Integra Tire to experience service you can trust. Integra Tire, experience integrity. Made by Rene. Rebound, lunging Preds, can't clear. Cleft bomb, what time? Let's to... Okay, I think that's the... Is that a third period chance, Kellen? That's a second period chance. That's, is that on a power play? That's a second period power play shot by Mark Letestu. Goal or no goal? Goal. Made by Rene. Rebound. Lunging Preds. Can't clear. Left ball. What time? Letestu scores! And Forsberg's inability to clear the puck results in yet another power play goal. There you go. Robin, stay on the line. You win, finish the play. Letestu gets his 13th of the season. Another one-timer on the power play for Letestu, who's uh, been very good at doing that this season. He is now up to seven power play goals on the season, second on the team to Leon Dreisaitl. Yeah, it, if you know how to hit the puck with a one-timer and you put yourself in the right position, the Edmonton Oilers have got guys on the team that are going to get it for you, and he, he just knows where to go, and he's not afraid to shoot, and I think that's the biggest thing for Mark Letestu, his willingness to shoot the puck, and they keep putting the puck on his stick, so they know he's got the ability, and tonight scored a big goal at the time. All right, 5-4, the Predators beat the Oilers. More to come. We do have open lines, 780-496-0063. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranish Team Broadcast Centre. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. From the Terry Peranish Team Broadcast Centre, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 
All right, uh, people still want to debate the uh, offside onside. Uh, this, this person sent, uh, took some time to write a text. He says, uh, or he or she says, offside calls in the past show us that if you have one skate over and you lift the other skate off the line, it's offside. Yep. But that's not the case in this one. Uh, this texter also says, history has also shown us that once you are offside, simply jumping into the air doesn't negate it. That's also true. If I'm standing in front of the other team's net and jump Rob Brown as you cross the line as my teammate, I'm still offside. Uh, yeah, the rule also states both skates have to be on the ice. Actually, the rule does not skate that. The, uh, the rule says a player is onside... When either of his skates, so that means one foot, are in contact with or on his own side of the blue line at the instant the puck completely crosses the leading edge of the blue line. So in this case, when the puck crossed the blue line, neither of his feet were on the ice. So in that case, they look vertically as to whether one foot is onside or not. One foot was onside. The goal counted. Look, I just look, I know we're listening to an Oilers audience. Or we're talking to an Oilers audience. And if you ever listen to me on this show on Inside Sports, if I don't like a call, I will tell you. Mm-hmm. Okay? But you're seeing this, a lot of you, through oilered colored glasses. It is this is a bizarre rule. It does not directly it it is not directly the same as other calls we have seen this season. And it it doesn't happen a lot, but you have to ask yourself. Why did the linesman call it onside after looking at it for seven? The linesmen weren't huddling around there saying, okay, let's kill as much time as we can <laughs> and then cheat. Well, the, the way I, I explain it to you that I, that I see it, um, Reed, is if a guy, if Connor McDavid is about to cross the, the blue line with the puck and just as he crosses, Leon Dreisaitl jumps in the air at center, then, the, then the, it's, he's not offside. So why, if he jumps at center and his feet are onside while he's in the air, would it be any different than if he jumps at the blue line and his feet are onside in the air? So that, to me, that's what it is. His feet were onside when they were in the air in the ref's interpretation. They thought his left foot was still above the blue line. That makes him onside. Right, and, and again, it doesn't matter if his left foot left the ice first because the puck was not over the line. Mm -hmm. If the puck would have been all the way over the line and his right foot was still lingering on the ice with his left foot up, it's offside. But that's not what happened. You have to look at that exact freeze frame. When the puck first crossed the blue line, both his feet were in the air, one foot was onside in the air. And I know usually onside in the air doesn't matter. If, If the other foot is touching... But it, but it wasn't, guys. So you have to look at it that way. I mean, Rob and I aren't disagreeing with you for the sake of disagreeing with you or to be difficult. We're trying to tell you why the linesman called it that way. And Rob and I operate from the basis that the linesman isn't cheating on purpose. <laughs> You know, well, I mean, it's, he's, it's, his, his, his job means he knows it's, the, it's, the rule book. It's, it's like when I was talking to ups, up, upset people about the Taylor Hall trade. I said, okay, let's... Let's operate from the fact that, that Peter Shelley's not trying to make the team worse. Mm-hmm. Okay, so why did he make this trade? Well, this one here, I mean, the, I, I honestly, I don't know every rule in the rule book. I don't. So I'm, I'm guessing, I'm hoping that the linesmen and the people in Toronto do, because that's who I've got to have faith in, that they know the right rules. I don't. Just like the other day, I didn't realize when the Oilers scored a goal and a penalty was called after, or no, so it's tonight, Nashville scored a goal, they didn't allow it, 
or they didn't call it in. Eventually, the they take a penalty. The goal eventually counted for Nashville, but they still got their the penalty. I didn't know that rule until afterwards, and I'm I'm going. Well, I guess the refs probably know that a little better so than me. We learned about a couple rules yeah. today. All right. Uh, Elvis, you're going to be up next after the news. The Oilers fall 5-4 in Nashville. This is Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Centre. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. From the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Centre, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, the Nashville Predators go 3-for-5 on the power play, knocking off the Edmonton Oilers 5-4. They had a 4-2 lead late in the second period. The Oilers rallied with goals from Latestu and Eberle. They were tied 4-4 going to the third. Victor Arvidsson got the game winner on a power play a minute 19 into the third. Chris Russell was in the penalty box a couple of times when Nashville wound up scoring. The Oilers did go 2-4 for four on their power play. See on the game sheet, they didn't list Latestu's goal as a power play goal, but that was definitely a power play goal. I thought so, unless it happened as one ended. It was at 16:25, and Craig Smith took a penalty at 15:21. Yep. That so definitely a power play. Definitely a power play. All right. So the Oilers went two for four on the power play, but uh, not good enough tonight. They had a tough night in the face-off circle, only 35% for Edmonton. That's been a problem. This texter says enough about the uh, offside onside goal. Greater worry is the Oilers five and seven in their last 12 despite getting secondary scoring of late wins against bad teams like the Coyotes and the Flyers. The one against Chicago was robbery by Talbot. They are playing meaningful games in February and March, but when the real games start, the Oilers are trending down. That's a text to 630-630. Well, le- legitimate concerns there. I, I agree. The, this is not... They're not putting together the, the, the streaks that they had earlier in the year. But as you had said before too, Reed, this is a tough month. A bunch of road games... Uh, it, it was going to, you thought if they came through this month at 500, it would be good and they set themselves up for March. Well, uh, I think if they win against St. Louis, that does give them a 500 mm-hmm. month. And then we'll see what they do in March. There's, there's still warts on this team. There certainly is. And two of them that came out tonight were, were the face-off inability to win them and their penalty kill. And those things have got to get fixed up uh, if they want to make a rush here for the playoffs and do something in the playoffs. So, yeah, I, I believe, as Todd McClellan said, there were some games that have happened as of late, ones that they had won, that he was not happy with their effort. And then tonight, uh, not without even getting into the, the, the offside goal, uh, was the one that beat them. There was a lot of things tonight that the coach was not happy with as well. So it, they they got to get back to the basics and get back playing the way that they need to play, the way they were playing earlier in the season, and hope that this is just a little bit of a dip in, in the season and they get back going the right direction once they get home on this homestand. All right, 780-496-0063. As we move toward the trade deadline, it's an interesting position for Peter Shirelli. I mean, Last year, the deadline, he traded away Schultz. Uh, he traded away Anders Nielsen, the the, uh, the backup goalie. Um, acquired Patrick Maroon. This that, that one worked out pretty good. And and it's interesting. I mean, I'm sure if he could acquire a face-off guy, you know, who could play third-line minutes, he would do it. It's a different situation. I, I mean, the the... Ducks brought in a couple of wingers last year, Jamie McGinn most notably. So they thought, okay, we like this player better than Patrick Maroon. We'll, we can trade him to the team in 29th or whatever, wherever the Oilers were at the deadline. They wound up 29th. It, it wasn't something they would think would come back to bite them. I mean, now you think is a team in the West, unless it's Arizona or Colorado perhaps, is it? And Arizona did make the the deal with Minnesota today. But is a team in the West going to trade the Oilers anybody who even remotely 
might help them. No, you know what I mean. Like no. it's 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 different now. It, it is. It uh, <laughs> the, the the thing that we also talk about too. The, the the players that the Oilers need and want are also the the players that every other team trying to make a playoff push needs and wants as well. It's and with the fact there's so many teams that are close because of the 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 wild cards. There's so many teams that are close. How many sellers are there? In the West, you know, Colorado and Arizona are sellers. Problem for Colorado selling is some of their parts that they want to sell and get rid of are guys with contracts. They're, they want to start rebuilding, and that's getting rid of some rid of some players that you're not going to get as a pickup at the deadline. So there's only so many players out there that are are going to be available and a number of teams that are going to want them, and then you end up overpaying because there's four teams wanting the same player. I don't think the Oilers are in a position where they, they want to overpay right now. This is a team that's still building towards the future. They're going to do some things in the offseason, things that they need to do to, to upgrade. Don't, over, don't overpay now and, and mortgage yourself in the future for what a, a chance. Let's, let's continue going the way that they're going, he's going. If there's a trade out there that's going to make you better, do it. But don't do it. Make a trade that's going to make you better for six weeks and it's going to make you worse for two or three years down the line. 5-4, the Predators win it tonight. <laughs> this texture says, "Is Jared Smithson available?" Oh, that's a good. That's a great text. Hey, you know, okay. Here's a question here, because I don't know the answer. The Oilers made a trade a few years back for Jared Smithson. Yeah. And when they traded, we all were like, "Okay, who's Jared Smith this morning?" Did he ever play the following year? Did he back, get back in the NHL? Ah, uh, because he came to the Oilers and he did actually. He was supposed to be the. They traded for him because oh, they sure. needed a face-off guy and. He came in lockout short and season. Yeah, and it wasn't very good for the Oilers. And then I don't know, did he ever play again? He played uh, 18 games for the Maple Leafs the next season. Though I think he started in the minors. Yeah. So. And then got called up, and then he played in Denmark last season. Yeah. So yeah. So there you go. It, it wasn't a great <laughs> deal for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, this texture says it looks like the much improved Flames might uh, take over the Oilers passengers again. Uh, the, well, the Flames could pass the Oilers. I mean, we'll see. It, it's four points. Um, in terms of playoff positioning, the Flames passing the Oilers doesn't mean the Oilers would be out of the playoffs. No. It, it could bump them down to a wild card position, depending on whether or not the Oilers are ahead of Anaheim. They're, they're tied with Anaheim. Well, uh, the, the Anaheim's ahead on more regulation and overtime wins. Well, you... <laughs> A couple, a couple scenarios come into place. First of all, I think the Flames are going to make the playoffs as well as the Oilers, and I, I'm glad of that. Mm-hmm. I want the Flames in the playoffs because I want the, the rivalry and the Alberta. I'd love to see a Flames-Oilers playoff series. I think that would be great. Uh, could the Flames catch the Oilers? Yes, they could. I don't think it's going to happen. It's important to finish second or third in your division. I, think it, I don't think you want to play the Minnesota Wild or the San Jose Sharks in the first t- in the first round, that's who the wild card teams likely will play. Mm-hmm. I think those two are the two class teams of this Western Conference right now. What might be possible, though, when you're saying that the Flames catch the Oilers, the Oilers are the the Flames may catch the Anaheim Ducks. The Anaheim Ducks have not played as well of late either. So there's a possibility that you could see the Flames and the Oilers playing in the first round as the second and third 
uh, seeds in their division. So uh, I, 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 the Calgary Flames, we've watched a number of their games as of late. They are playing good hockey. They've made a couple moves. They went out and got stoned from Arizona. They, are, they got a solid hockey t- club. Goudreau is playing better now after a slow start to the season. I, I'd love this. I, it'd be great this, this spring if we could see Calgary and Edmonton in the playoffs. Just imagine what the atmosphere would be at Rogers Place if those two teams played each other. 5-4 Predators beat the Oilers. That means a $100 donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation from Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. They give 25 bucks for every Oilers goal throughout the season, and you can follow the total on the Oilers page on 630Shed.com. I mean, I, I know some of you don't want to hear about the offside anymore, but the NHL has put out a statement on their <laughs> NHL PR thing. Uh, here's, and, and I actually, no, here's the thing. I'm not mad about the off about the call. I'm actually, but I'm mad about the statement they put out. It's a dumb statement. Because I think it contradicts itself. Here's what it says. Review was not conclusive in determining whether Nashville was offside prior to the goal, as Arvidsson was never in an offside position when the puck entered the attacking zone. So you can't say it's inconclusive and then say he was never offside. If you're saying he was never offside, that's pretty conclusive (laughs) to me. True. I mean, yeah, what they said is right. But they just said it dumb, because <laughs> it was conclusive, and oh, I just, and the the referee did the referee did say it was conclusive. He said that he wasn't offside, did he not? The referee said came out and said it was onside. Yeah, onside. So that's conclusive. That's conclusive. If, yes. you, if he would have said there's not enough evidence to overturn the call, yes, or just said it's inconclusive, or, or sometimes they just come to, sometimes they just come out and say after review the goal stands. Yes. And in that case, you don't know, okay, are they conclusive about it or are they just saying there's not enough there to overturn it? But he came out and said so it now, was onside. So, that, uh, guys, this this is, I mean, listen to me here. I'm being honest with you. That was my honest take and interpretation of why <laughs> the goal stood. But now I'm telling you, that statement irritates me. <laughs> I mean, you, 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 you can't, I mean, that's, that's, that's like saying we're going to amputate your left leg and save it at the same time. Like, it's either one or the other. Well, I think that one might be a little more serious, though. Well, obviously, but I was trying to make it as dramatic as example <laughs> as uh, possible. All right, it's 7.15. You'll hear from Captain Connor McDavid when we get back. Oilers lose 5-4. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Centre. Encore Trucking. Lift and transport specialists available 24 hours a day, every day, anywhere. We're the smooth operators. Check our website, Encore with an E, because we're bilingual in Alberta. EncoreTrucking.ca Live from the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Centre, this is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, 5-4, Nashville beating the Oilers. Larry texting in, he says, uh, hey guys, the answer for the Oilers face-offs is Lander. Why not try him with offensive players instead of on the fourth line? That's from Larry. I I just don't think he's good enough. I mean, he has played up and down the lineup, not as much this year. I don't think he's good enough to play on with offensive players. Having said that, I do not see anything wrong with putting him. Is, is Hendricks a better player than him? I don't know. They're, I mean, they're close, and Lander can win face-offs, put him on the wing on your fourth line. Lander's capable uh, of penalty killing. I think what the Oilers want, Peter Shirelli wants, is an upgrade over an Anton Lander, and I think yeah. that's what they're going to look for, first of all, at the trade deadline, and then certainly they'll be looking for that in the summer. I, I just think that with Lander, his, his face-offs and his penalty killing are good. Pretty much everything else at the NHL level is below average. Yep. Right. I, and I, I mean, agree. at least Hendricks has a, has some grit. I know. I know mm-hmm. he's not always the f- fastest guy in the world, 
and quite frankly, it, Hendricks actually finishes more chances at the NHL level than Lander well, does. Yeah, that's yeah, not, good that's point. not saying much. I mean, Lander, I know Lander had that incredible burst under Todd Nelson. We haven't seen it at any other point. No, we haven't. No, I mean, he will be a guy that I would imagine when the Oilers make the playoffs will be called up and you never know he could see time because of his face-off ability if they do not find someone else but face-offs right now are a concern for the Edmonton Oilers 35% in the face-off tonight yeah uh, it was it was a difference in the hockey game all right Connor McDavid two points tonight continues to lead the NHL in scoring he's up to 71 here's the captain as Mark said weren't good enough tonight Power play definitely checks out. Um, you know, we, we did a good job on the power play. Um, but uh, obviously the penalty kill, giving up three, three you know, goals uh, on the penalty kill is, is not okay. It's not acceptable, and um, you can't expect to win games if you're doing that. Another video replay didn't go your way. Is it one of those ones where it's got to be so conclusive to swing it the other way when they call yeah. the goal? Yeah, you know what? I don't like talking too much about them. I mean, people are going to have their opinions about the play. and. Um, <laughs> you know, we definitely would have liked that one, um, but you know, it's way close. Can you say about the way you guys dug your way out of holes multiple times tonight? What can you say about this team going down the street? You know, we've done that. We've done that a bunch of times. Um, you know, it's it's a, it's a good sign, but you know, the bad side of that is we are putting ourselves in those holes, and um, you, know, you can look at it both ways, I guess. So, um, you know, good on us to, to find a way to get back uh, into the game, but you know, we need better starts and, and things like that. Thanks. All right, that's Connor McDavid, and yeah, certainly the starts have been a concern for the Oilers for much of the season. That, that's been mm-hmm. one of the ongoing themes this year, and we're 63 games in. Trent says, uh, would love to add Brian Boyle to the third line. That would move Letestu down. Fair point. I know Bob was saying a few days ago when the Oilers played Tampa that Bob thinks Boyle's going to resign there. Uh, we'll see. He'd, he'd be a good addition. I think he's 32, so you know, not, uh, well, not over the hill by any means. And, and, but it's funny, you go on to any talk show in any other city in the league and they're saying, you know what, Brian Boyle would be a good pickup for us at the trade deadline. He will be much talked to by a number of different teams and he would be a huge upgrade to what the others have, yes. Uh, this texture says, uh, this is for you, Rob, what is it that the players keep sniffing on the bench? What does it do? Is it legal? Where can you buy it? Well, I would hope it's legal if they're doing it in front of 17,000 people and more on TV. It, it's sniffing salts. I think it was called, I mean, it's a, it's a little teeny trying to think what it looks like that I can say on air but it's uh, uh, it's a little teeny sleeve that you kind of snap and right. when you snap all this it's a very very intense smell that comes out I'm pretty sure and I'm not positive this is what I told that this is what you know paramedics would have to wake people up that are out cold. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what it is, and it just, it. I, I myself never did it. It, it makes your eyes water. Like when guys, you see them sniffing on the bench, their eyes start watering. It's supposed to give them, to perk them up. To me, it just hurt my nostrils and made my eyes water. But that's what they do. And then one guy, it's so strong that you can pass it all the way down the bench, and each guy can sniff <laughs> it, and they will still, their eyes will burn a little bit. So, I think most guys do it simply because someone else had done it before them. I don't think there's a whole lot of. Uh, advantage to doing it. Uh, last text here is going to go to Jay who says the Oilers uh, aren't as good as they need to be. They rely too, on too many first and second year players with a whole lot of veterans not pulling their weight. No drastic changes. See where the season ends and make the appropriate changes this summer. You know that that's fair and I, and I, and I think something involving a higher paid or higher profile player could very likely happen in the summer. And and I think Jay is, is, is right. I mean the Oilers 
often rely on two players for offense, mm-hmm. like David and Dreisaitl. And, you know, they've had some defensemen. I, I think Secker has had a good season. Yeah. I think Larson has done um, what he's supposed to have done. I think Clefbaum has had more good than bad. He's been a little up and down. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, there are some nights where you're like, oh, that was a hole. Or, oh, man, we had eight players playing well, but not... 15. Yeah, but one of the reasons they rely on their two youngest players up front is because they're their two best players up front. So, I mean, it's simple to say the the veterans got to do more, but they're not going to do more than McDavid and Drysaddle because no one on the team is better than those two. All right. Sean says, uh, with what money is Tampa signing Boyle? Well, could be the uh, five point. Eight or seven million that they just shipped out <laughs> with Ben Bishop gone. Just if you miss the trades, Ben Bishop to the Kings for Peter Budai, Eric Chernak, and a conditional seventh round pick. Uh, Martin Hansel and Ryan White and a fourth rounder to Minnesota. And Arizona gets uh, three draft picks, including a first rounder this year and then a couple in 2018. Uh, very good team in Minnesota. Just got better. Uh, they probably got the number one centerman that was out there that was going to be available in Hansel. The L.A. King trade, I don't completely understand because I think that's a trade they should have made five months ago. And if they'd done it then, they probably would not be on the outside looking into the playoffs. All right, 5-4, the Oilers lose in Nashville. Next broadcast is Tuesday, 4.30 face-off show. Game against the Blues will start at 6. Thanks to our studio producer, Kellen Kennedy. You can get more on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. You've been listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranish Team Broadcast Centre. Have a great night. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.